Hello everyone and welcome back to No Days But Today, the show where we look back at the 2005 adaptation of the 1996 Tony Award winning musical Rent. I'm Blake, and if you weren't sad enough in our last episode, we're going to get even sadder <laughs> as we started a funeral. But we have a special guest on the line, Robert Black. Black, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Well, that's I'm ready to be enough. sad. Yeah, <laughs> I had Liz from um, Mean Girls Minute in the last nice. two episodes, and we ah. went from being all cheerful to being depressed, and now we're even more sad <laughs> as we're getting into Angel's funeral. Well, before we get into this, yep. I will ask you, you jumped right on this when I asked people, what's your history with Mia Rent? Uh, well... I, I actually know the specific first thing that got my attention was, um, I think it's 97. I think it was the Benny tour. Um, Neil Patrick Harris performed on yeah. later on NBC and he performed what you own. And immediately I'm like, I have to see that when it's in LA. And then I almost missed it. The closing Sunday I happened to see in the newspaper that morning that rent was in town. Wow. I barely, I made it barely in time to the theater to like get into the orchestra pit lottery, but I'm like, I don't want to risk it. So I just bought a ticket. I sat in the very center of the last row in a packed house. <laughs> wow. And loved it. Like I didn't even have like binoculars or anything to look up close. I was just riveted anyway. And so then I saw it a few years later with my wife and saw the movie when it came out. We'll get to this later, but I didn't like the movie as much. Oh, wow. Um, but then I saw a live production three times when they did it at Cal State LA, where I was a grad student. Nice. And then my daughter went with me to that, so I bought her for, I think it was for Christmas that year, the live on Broadway disc. Mm -hmm. And so she got obsessed with it. And so then together she and I saw it at uh, the Saban in, I think it's Beverly Hills, and then at the Pantages uh, last year. And then it's coming back to the Pantages next, like, late spring, early summer, and we're going to go again. I will say right now, you are the first person to actually see this show on stage more than me on the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the three college productions helped. Those were, like, $10 tickets. So well, I saw her like, four times again. on Broadway. So. Oh, nice. <laughs> with different cast every time. That's good. So, And one's with my wife. In the second row orchestra. Oh. So nice. that was an experience. <laughs> so here we are. As um the as we last left you, Angel had died and in the Broadway production left on spectacular fashion. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I love his exit in the Broadway show, I'm not gonna lie. Especially on the live for Broadway DVD, when you see the zoom ins on him leaving the stage in the next song, I love that. Oh yeah, when Mark's talking and he they do the close up as he looks over. Yeah, got some nice shots in there. Yeah, those are details you don't see when you're in the theater, especially in this moment because most people are crying. So. Oh right. Yeah, we're not paying attention to him in the background because no. we can't see. Yeah, I never noticed it till the DVD came out. So very good detail. Whoever edited that. So, we're at the funeral. Um, I'm not going to read everything here because there's a lot to this. But oh, yeah. in the Broadway show, we never really got the relationship between Mimi and Angel like we did in the movie. So, 
No. I like the fact that yeah. they gave us that in the movie. I've been saying that this whole time. What do you think? Well, yeah, it, it makes it more because even on stage, like Mimi tells the story about like horror Halloween being a. Angel was one of my closest friends. It's right that it's Halloween because it was her favorite holiday. I knew we'd hit it off the moment we met. That skinhead was bothering her, and she said she was more of a man than he'd ever be and more of a woman than he'd ever get. Angel's favorite holiday, and it's like, we haven't seen them get to know each other. and But it's okay. In the movie, yeah, it works a little better because we see a couple visual points where they're together. That's one of those things where on stage even, I find it odd that Maureen knows Angel. Uh-huh. Because Maureen used to live with Mark, Roger, Collins, and Benny. <laughs> and I'm like, so how did she know Angel really well, but well, Angel maybe. never met any of them? Yeah, true. Well, Mark, obviously, he has his story, which I love Mark's story of the tourist. Yeah. And... Uh, <clears throat> and then there was a time he walked up to this group of tourists and they were petrified because A, they were obviously lost, and B, had probably never spoken to a drag queen before in their lives. And he, uh, she, just offered to escort them out of Alphabet City, and then she let them take a picture with her, and then she said she'd help them find the circle line. That's, that's something I can see actually happening in New York at this time. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Because I always say this show is based in New York pre-Giuliani. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how I can see something like that happening then, then now. Um, Maureen talking about how everything she wears ends up being in the gap after she wears it, which is funny to me. So much more original than any of us. You'd find an old tablecloth on the street and make a dress. And next year, sure enough, they'd be mass producing them at the Gap. You always said how lucky you were that we were all friends. But it was us, baby, who were the lucky ones. Yeah. What's funny to me is that all the clothes from Rent ended up being actual, like, clothes sold in New York for real in the 90s. Well, yeah, it always – it that was one of those things that always surprised me with Rent is when it first produced, it was a big deal that they, like, picked their costumes out in, like, thrift stores. Right. And then every future production was, no, we have to copy those exact costumes rather than, like, get new stuff from thrift stores. I'm like, no, just get new stuff. It's true. You know? Approximate it. Get close. Mm-hmm. So, then we get Collins. And no yeah. offense to the guy in the Broadway production on the DVD, Jesse L. Martin kills this song. Oh, yeah. Live in my house I'll be shelter just pay me back with one thousand kisses 
chills every single time but he covered i'll cover you repraise he does this version yeah it's amazing i had some basic notes just for the whole movie version and it's like a lot of it could be a lot better but like jesse l martin and tay diggs are amazing in like everything they do in this movie like they are living it up and having a good time being back with rent and in this song martin is great yeah i agree well i jesse l martin I, I was joking. Have you ever seen the NBC production of A Christmas Carol, the musical, that came out no, right before no. this with uh, Kelsey Grammer? No. Okay. Jesse L. Martin I know, plays... I know it exists. I've never seen it. Yeah, he plays one of the ghosts in there. And okay. I'm convinced he did that as a primer and a practice for coming back on Rent. <laughs> huh. Because it's amazing. He's absolutely incredible. And he took, like, one of my favorite songs in that musical. It's called A Christmas Together. And made it better. And I didn't think that was possible. (laughs) Until he did. So, applause to him. Big time. (laughs) Yeah, he drags drags the opening of the song a little slow, I think. But he redeems it and he earns it. Because he puts out that emotion the entire thing in this scene. It gives you chills. He's good. It gives you chills. Yeah. So, there's not a whole lot you can really say about it because it's that good. <laughs> well, I even I even think the guy in the live on Broadway version, which is named Michael McElroy, he's yes. he's a good singer, but like his voice is too. I put in my notes, his voice is too clean. Mm-hmm. Like it should be more raw because he's feeling it, and he feels like he's he's singing the song well, but he's not feeling it. The and emotion's not there. Martin feels like he's. Seems like he's feeling it. I agree, hundred percent. And what do you think the difference between the Broadway and movie here? Because we're in an actual like church funeral home here, as opposed to obviously everything being in one spot. Really, yeah. Like I, the staging. Some of the scenes, I I like that they put it outside and like they let it breathe. This one, I think the church might be a little too big and bright, but I like that they're in a church. And they get some great close-up shots of the people in the audience when they all join in singing and they're crying. And, like, Roger's crying before anyone else is. And it, it gets for some nice close-ups that you don't get on stage. That's true. And for Roger, as a character, do you think he's kind of, like, looking at his future right here? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's why this is the day that he announces, yeah, he's he's leaving town finally. Because mm-hmm. he knows he doesn't have much time left. He has to do something with it. And we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> now in the movie, we jump right to Goodbye Love. And as a big time Broadway guy, I'm really, it still makes me pissed off that they cut one of my favorite Mark moments in Halloween. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. I love this song. I always have. And it's and- on the soundtrack. It's a cutscene on the DVD. So they filmed it. And then they right, they filmed it. I was just saying, that I think the scene here with him singing it is also good in the movie version. It's just him walking alone in the cemetery, and 
it's like the stage version, but with a bigger stage. Yeah. They're not trying anything special. It's just letting the regular version breathe. And he does a great performance of it. Yeah, I agree. And... How did we get here? How the hell pan left? Close on the steeple of the church. How did I get here? How the hell? Christmas. Christmas Eve last year. How could a night so frozen be so scalding hot? How can a morning this mild be so raw? Why are entire years strewn on the cutting room floor of memory? When single frames from one magic night forever flicker in close-up on the 3D IMAX of my mind. That's poetic. That's pathetic. Why did Mimi knock on Roger's door and Collins choose that phone booth back where Angel set up his drums? Why did Maureen's equipment break down? Why am I the witness? And when I capture it on film, will it mean that it's the end and I'm alone? For me, I like the fact that they gave us a minute almost like the narrator of the show. Like, Mark is yeah. always our narrator. <laughs> Especially Yeah, there's less of that in the movie, but they bring. I like that this brings it back. Yeah, and I think that well, might be one of the reasons they cut it, because Mark's not really the narrator in the movie, because he's in the Broadway show. Yeah, they cut a lot of Yeah. But straight up, I love it. There's no, I have no complaints. I love this song, but I also like the fact that he's almost questioning how he got here. Like, why am I at this funeral for someone I didn't even know a year ago? Yeah, it's what? It's Halloween, so not even a year. It's like 10 months. So, yeah, it's this funeral he's going to, and this is this is Mark's life, which we don't get that line coming up because it's in the extended version yeah. about how he's the one that's going to survive. <laughs> it's true. Uh, all right. I think I figured out what happened here. I'm wearing, I'm putting a different headset in, and I fixed the problem on my end. There we go. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> no, it's, I'm wearing a different headset because my wife has my good set of headphones. So, <laughs> her, my son sat on her backpack and broke her good work headphones. So, I gave her my oh, good nice. podcasting headphones for the week until Friday. So, I'm wearing my spares. <laughs> nice. This is my only recording I have, like, this week. So, it wasn't that big oh, a okay. deal. So it's not that bad. <laughs> so, all right. So let me segue to Goodbye, Love. Yeah. Which was cut in half, really, in the movie version. Um, another thing. Now, they have an explanation for why this happened, according to the commentary track, which I have been referring to a lot in this show. Okay. In the commentary track, they apparently put the whole version of Goodbye, Love in the movie and then screened it. And according to screenings, they apparently lost the audience emotional-wise for the end of the movie. Like, there was, like, it was almost like a bubble burst in the movie theater. So when they cut this in half, then the crowd was with them for the end. Which is weird, but that was their explanation on the commentary track. I guess, yeah, a movie audience doesn't have the same patience as, like, a Broadway audience. Yeah. Or stage audience. But that's what happened. But you think... 
I would think it'd be easier maybe cut something out of the first half because the first half is almost as long in the movie as it is on stage. Mm-hmm. And then so much is cut out of the second. And the other thing they also they also said is that there's in in the movie version with Mark and Roger they're always talking to each other they're not singing to each other and they they right. they were like well, well why are they singing to each other here why can't they just talk so they just cut the whole thing and say screw it <laughs> that's a that's a problem with the movie a lot though is that they're trying so hard not to be a musical at so many moments or that they have everyone talk when they should be singing yeah that's that is one of the downsides of this well while we're complaining what is your issues with the movie because i have actually matt Tamanetti coming on in the next episode who does not like the movie at all so what are your issues with the movie i i think it a lot of it comes down to stuff like that where it seems like it's someone got the script or chris columbus got what directing job for a musical and it's like he didn't know what how to do a musical and so he constantly is making it into something else and so you get like the opening i actually have a bunch of notes on this on specifics but uh like the opening song rent doesn't have much energy because it's visually open but it needs that energy of the chaos of like the power blows and then everyone goes crazy on stage because it's a great moment on stage but in the movie, we don't have that everyone. There isn't a crowd in front of us because we're in the apartment. Right. Pe- people throw the burning things off the balconies. It's a nice movie visual, but it it's like visual spectacle when we need energy at that moment. We need to meet the characters and get to know them. There are some great things in the movie. I think on, and I think it's just because Tay Diggs is in it and he's been this part before. Benny feels like he actually used to be friends with these people. Right. You know, on stage many times benny just feels like this i don't know if we can swear um this really horrible person that they barely know okay (laughs) because he feels like this like asshole they just happen to know when he used to be he used to live with them actually i will say something um again explained on the dvd commentary track i've been referring to it but they gave me a lot of factoids they um they said they wanted to flesh out benny's character more because in the Broadway show, they didn't. You have the um, paper that says who everybody is in your playbill. You don't have that in the movie. Yeah, yeah. So we have to explain Betty more, and that's kind of the reason they did that. I th- I think the, just that one line at the beginning explains, or a couple lines in Rent explain who he is. Like you meet Collins and Marine, like they know each other, and he's the, now he owns their building. I. I but yeah, Hollywood wants to explain things too much. Yeah, I love Hollywood, but when they may, when they're doing an adaptation, sometimes they go too far. Um, I agree. <laughs> yeah, other like Tango Maureen, they go for spectacle instead of energy, and then they show us Maureen way early. Ah, uh, I agree. At which le- I think lessens the impact of her arriving for her over the moon. Right. Um. And then over the moon is like this overproduced thing with, I know Maureen, Maureen comes from like a rich family, but it feels like she rejected that. And she's just like the rest of them, but she's got all those TVs and extra monitors and over the moon. And we discussed this earlier. I I don't understand what's going on in that version on the movie. I don't get it. (laughs) Yeah. 
like one of my favorite things in the the live on Broadway version is when she's posed and she needs her backup song to start. And so she's like looking at it and freaking out. She's like, how am I going to do this? So she just like kicks it in the movie. She does a weird stretchy kick, but it looks like it's part of her act. Right. It's not improv. It doesn't look like it. Right. We can go back and forth on this. So, (laughs) well, let's go back to goodbye, love. And like you said, okay. It's true you sold your guitar and bought a car. It's true I'm leaving now for Santa Fe. It's true you're with this yuppie scum. You said you'd never speak to him again. Not now. Who said that you have any say in who she says things to at all? Yeah. Who said that you should stick your nose in uh, other people? Who said I was talking to you? We used to have this fight Calm each down. night. She never admit I existed. He was the same way. This happens to be the day that Roger announced that he's finally moving to Santa Fe. Finally going, finally going to quote-unquote live his life. And it almost feels out of nowhere in in the story of the movie. And even in the Broadway show, it kind of comes out of nowhere. Because in the Broadway show, he wasn't even in Santa Fe. Like, he wasn't in that song. That's right. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, yeah. In the movie, he is. Almost in the movie, it makes more sense. Since we're in a sad episode and death, I always thought that that plot point was one of those things that might have been fixed if, like, Jonathan Larson had lived longer. True. Like, they could have fixed that. But no one's ever going to change it now. I right. mean, for a movie version, they could have. But no one's going to change it for the stage version because that's part of Rent. Right. Is that Larson died and it's a thing. Exactly. And, well, they did kind of fix it by having him in the song earlier. So when he brings up Santa Fe later, it didn't come out of nowhere. Yeah, at least it makes sense, right. Yeah. But here, it kind of comes out of nowhere. He's going into Santa Fe. Of course. Yeah. But then they cut the part where he's packing, though, so. True. (laughs) So true. But he's going to go. Betty and Mimi are together. Um, Moran and Jury, jo, sorry. Maureen and Joanne. I almost said their ship name for some reason there. Maureen <laughs> and Joanne are, are not together because they broke up in contact for like the third time yeah. in the show. <laughs> they, they are the most dysfunctional couple, I think, in this whole show. Um, oh, yeah. And... So Joanne, Maureen, Mimi, and Roger all start fighting, and I feel bad for Benny and Mark. They're just in the background trying to calm everybody down. <laughs> Something about Mark in this movie. Yeah. When I wrote about this movie in my blog, the scene where he's standing by his bike and Maureen and Joanne are like basically getting engaged, I coined the term Markward. 
It's uh-huh. like Mark being awkward, and he does it here again. It's, when this song starts, it's like Anthony Rapp forgot he he was going to have to do stuff for a moment. Once he joins in the song, it's okay, but <laughs> the staging on the hill, he's off to the side. Yeah, it's true. That's a good point. I never thought about it that way. <laughs> That's a good. I like that. I might use that for the rest of the um, show. I mean, I've got like a one episode <laughs> left, but I like that. You I wish we talked yeah. sooner. <laughs> 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 so we get back here. They're fighting, and then I, I relate almost to Colin because he's like, "What? I just wanted you guys to get together for this, and you guys have to fight again." And again. And now I gotta break it. what they do. Up. Yeah, exactly. They're a family. You all said you'd be cool today. So please, for my sake, I can't believe he's gone. I can't believe you're going. I can't believe this family must die. Angel helped us believe in love. I can't believe you disagree. I can't believe this is goodbye. <laughs> As we clarified in Happy New Year. Yeah. His approach is nice in the movie, though, because you can see him in the background that he's behind everyone walking up the hill. So it's okay that he joins after they're already fighting. Right. Because he kind of, he might have heard it in the distance, like, oh, God, they're fighting again. I just talked to him about this. Why are they fighting again? Let me go deal with this. It's a good use of space for the movie. I agree. Um, despite our complaining, being outside here works really well. Yeah. So being, except when they're outside on the street by their apartment, that one always bugs me. It always feels fake. It feels fake. Oh, or is it fake? Is it a back? Is it a back lot? I think it is. I don't even remember. I think it is. (laughs) I remember Anthony Rapp. I did an interview with Anthony Rapp. In fact, you could hear it on this feed. I talked to him couple yeah. years ago and he told me that was a backstage lot that they made look like old screw new york so okay yeah that makes sense it is hollywood maybe that's why all. it just feels wrong to me or something but <laughs> the cemetery here it's a real cemetery yeah it yeah. works it really works mm-hmm. it almost okay this is gonna sound bad this feels like the cemetery that they went to in like the first season of friends to me though it's weird <laughs> <laughs> I know it's weird. It does have a nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Can you tell I watch a lot <laughs> of friends at work? <laughs> yeah. So. All right. Now we cut to the stuff that's not in the movie. And this is the second half of the song. Um, Colin gets called inside. Betty and Mimi run off. Joanne and Maureen apparently make up again. <laughs> because it's but she doesn't bite do. her, though. No, she doesn't bite her. <laughs> Which, I admit, the fact that they cut that... On I love movie, that moment on stage. Exactly, it's hysterical. So yeah. funny. Um, but that kind of closes the door on Maureen and Joanne. 
So yeah, yeah. And I like them as a couple because it feels more real than really anything because you could tell they've been together and they're trying, <laughs> but they're so different yeah. and they keep fighting. And this is going to go on for a long, long time. You could tell. Yeah, but they'll just keep doing it. Exactly. All right. So Collins goes in to talk to the pastor. Mark and Roger are now going to have their argument. They're Best friend argument, as I call it at this point. <laughs> so. Yeah. I hear there are great restaurants out west. Some of the best. How could she? How could you let her go? You just don't know. How could we lose Angel? Maybe you'll see why. When you stop escaping your pain. At least now if you try. Angel's death won't be in vain. Death is in vain. Are you insane? They're Roger pretty much said, I'm going out west. Mark is trying to figure out what the hell is going on in Roger's head, which I don't blame him for trying to do. Um, how much do you think the two of them, in character form, have really talked? Because they haven't seen each other much in the show up to this point, really. Like, have they talked at all, really? Because I could see him just Wh being a Which two? Roger and Mark. Because Roger was spending well, a lot of time at Mimi's, and then obviously well, somewhere was... they broke up. I think recently they must have, because Roger was gone on Valentine's Day. He'd been gone right. for two months. But how long has he been broken up from Mimi this time? That's true, because we're going from February to It's, it's hard to gauge. Yeah. That jump is montage, so it's hard to gauge when things happened. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it kind of, it, it, it hurts, because Mark goes and says, at least if you try, Angel's death won't be in vain. And Roger's like, it already is. And that's a stinger. Because you yeah. never want to say that His about death a death is in vain. Yeah, it hurts. Um, Mark's trying to convince him. And Mark, good. Yeah. And Mark's Mark's response, like, are you insane? It's, yeah, Mark doesn't get that. He wants everything to have meaning. But who, Mark, are you? Mark has got his work. They say Mark lives for his work. And Mark's in love with his work. Mark hides in his work. From what? From facing your failure. Facing your loneliness. Facing the fact you live a lie. Yes, you live a lie. Tell you why. You're always preaching not to be numb. When that's how you thrive. You pretend to create and observe when you really detach from feeling alive. Perhaps it's because I'm the one of us to survive. Poor baby. And he also wants everyone to be happy, which is also important for Mark. He doesn't want the fighting. He doesn't want all this. He wants everyone to be, like, happy with their lives, but happy with the right people. And Mark knows Roger needs Mimi at the same time. So, yeah. um, we find which out. Might that, not be a healthy relationship, but it's no. a, it'll work. <laughs> well, we find out Mimi is looking pale. She's getting sicker, 
which is why Roger is running. Yep. Roger looks like an asshole here at this point. <laughs> well, it's it's well, you don't get it in the film version, but we do get confirmation that she's with Benny, so there's more right. to it. But yeah, he does look like he's just running away because she's not doing well. But did but did she did he leave her because of Benny, or did he leave her because she was getting sicker? That's the question. Or or also because she is still using drugs, which we did True. get in the montage with yeah. is that you. In the movie we did. Although we don't Probably know when sure that. Yeah. Yes. That's something I right. actually didn't mind in the movie because they gave him a reason to say, no, I'm done with you. Yeah, she's not doing anything to get better. And in this song, they can confirm Mimi did look pale. Mimi's True. gotten weak. And we just Although I think I'm quoting the stage version, not the movie oh, version. Actually, on the DVD set, this has also already been filmed, and it's on the DVD of that extra. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. It counts. Oh, I've, I've watched the scene. I just can't remember if it's, it's if the here. line I'm saying is in the extended version or in the movie. You're good. Or none of the songs in the movie, right? Um, Up to um, I Can't Believe This Is Goodbye. After that, the rest of the song is not in the movie. Yeah, the whole part in the apartment. And, and fighting, and then Mimi showing up, really pissed at Roger, and I can't even blame her on this <laughs> And um, so they also cut out where Mimi pretty much tells off Roger, just tells him off. You don't want baggage without lifetime guarantees. You don't want to watch me die. I just came to say goodbye. Can't blame him. Yeah, you don't want you don't want things without lifetime guarantees. Oh, what a line! Which she's right, absolutely right. He doesn't want to watch her die, and she yeah. knows it now. <laughs> and that's a well, killer. And he was just he was just reminded that lifetime guarantees don't mean much either for him and Mimi. True. So Roger goes off after pretty much being told off. And um, Betty shows up, and we, this is actually we find out for the first time that he's going to pay for her rehab, which I appreciate that. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. He's trying to help her. So is Mark. Yeah. And that's kind of where this goes. But we're not done, because there's more to the end of this, which I, they, they cut out of the movie, and I would have loved to heard a crowd reaction to this if they kept this in the movie. Which is part? when Collins comes out of the um, comes out of the funeral home. Oh right, right. Off the premises now. We give no handouts here. What happened to rest in peace? Off the premises, queer. That's no way to send a boy to meet his maker. They had to know we couldn't pay the undertaker. Don't you worry about him. Hey, I'll take care of it. Must be nice to have money. <laughs> no, no shit. shit. I think it only fair to tell you, you just paid for the funeral of the person who killed your dog. I know. I always hated that dog. Let's pay him off and then get drunk. And because he can't pay the bill. And 
he actually the the actual um line is queer, which is like whoa he said that. <laughs> and yeah. um, I'm just going right here. It is. Here's my notes. Off the premises queer. I'm like damn. Okay. So Collins pretty much say there's no that's no way to send the boy to meet its maker. We couldn't pay the undertaker, and Benny offers to pay. And that's a great moment on yeah. its own because that actually shows how much of a stand-up guy Benny actually can be, yeah. which I like. But then, but then Collins admits to him that Angel killed his dog, and Benny has no problem with this at all. <laughs> no, because he didn't like the dog anyway. Of course, that makes <laughs> perfect sense. <laughs> oh, that's funny. It, well, it's one of those great rent things that we all love Angel, but Angel killed a dog. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's not a good. That's not a good thing. No, and it's kind of a nice, happy song about it, <laughs> and we love it. It's a karaoke favorite at my karaoke bar too. It's like <laughs> it's kind of fair. <laughs> You're absolutely right, though. Angel kills a dog, and we're celebrating it like it's not a big deal. <laughs> and they and they use it as a punchline in Lovey Boem, you know, exactly. in that scene. Who died? Our Akita. Evita. Like, who died? <laughs> Our Akita. Evita. <laughs> I, I know I said this in that episode. I'll say it here. That, I, I quote that. We my wife quote that so much. As a joke. <laughs> to this day. We will quote that line. Because it's, who died? And the response is always that. No matter what. <laughs> yeah. Our Akita. Evita. <laughs> Every single time, and that's the answer. <laughs> it, it's it's a good answer. Oh, it's funny. If you get it, you get it. If you don't get it, you're looking at it it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Those are the best quotes. It really is. It's a great quote. You know who you want to talk to when they get it. Exactly. And I have friends who get that joke. So. <laughs> All right. Well, that's where we are. And next up is What You Own, which is my personal favorite song. But I have a extremely yeah. guest coming on and Matt Temanetti from Broadway World coming on next week. Actual now good friend of mine because he's been doing nice. my shows now for a couple of years now. So that's cool. I'll give it to you, Rob. Now, I, Won't you get your well, I already in? said first, What You Own, I already said that's the song that got me to attach to in the first place. Yeah, and was that's a great seeing song. Neil Patrick Harris performing it. I do have a bad note for the movie version though. Of course. Mark quitting when he's up on the roof and not on the phone is so silly. Well, okay. I love it. Okay, we okay. We're gonna talk about this next week, but I will ask you a question. Is he? And I asked this to to Matt, and he didn't really know how to answer me because he didn't think about it this way. In the move, in the Broadway show, obviously he's quitting straight up. Yeah. In the yeah, movie, he gets on the phone. Is he actually quitting, or is it the kind of thing where you're talking to yourself? This is what I want to say to my boss, but I'm not actually going to say it. <laughs> that that's the problem yeah in the movie version it's like is he really gonna do that is he hoping that alexi can hear him from the roof <laughs> or that what so stupid it really is hysterical and i think they kept it in there because it's in the song <laughs> you have to have that line he could have been they could have had him go down to a, like a payphone on the street there's a payphone on the street we've yes. already established that <laughs> just have him use it but then you don't have the big ending of the hug on the rooftop. So True, true. But, but otherwise, like 
the first note I wrote down when I was making notes while watching like the movie and then the live on Broadway version this past right. weekend was where is it? Um, I said Rent the film is a series of bad decisions and adaptation, but it's still nice to hear great songs that I love. True. And uh, what you own is one of those. We're like the staging is weird, but hey, it's what it's what you own. It's that song, and it's a great song. And for some reason, and then occasionally they do great things. <laughs> yeah. We Instead of just lot. disappearing from stage for like a song. Not even a song. He never disappears on Broadway. He, you assume he goes to Santa Fe because of the voicemail you hear afterwards. Yeah, that took him away. It. <laughs> <laughs> it took him away and back. Exactly. Oh man. So all right, that voicemail it. takes him are. across the country. <laughs> what do you think of the voicemail yes. being cut? By the way, because that's another thing where it's like I understand why you're there. It's like if you're moving this is a big part of the show that's funny yeah it doesn't have to be there because they found a way to write some of them in but like i miss the voicemails i really do yeah yeah but most of them yeah as you said they don't need them to tell the story they're more about giving us an idea who these characters are and what they have to deal with the movie is more shorthand like we can assume we don't need to know about Mimi's parents because Mimi's just like everyone else here. We don't need to know about Maureen's. And though we see um, Joanne's, yes, we don't need to know much about them. Although that is a horrible waste of Anna Devere Smith. Yeah, we discussed that. Who plays her mother? Yeah, we discussed that a couple of. Episodes. I hope that came up. It did it? It's like, definitely did. When, when I saw her in the movie, I'm like, did they write a new song for her parents? Awesome. No, no, no new song. They're just there, and she's wearing a weird hat, and that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they even gave they gave Sarah Silverman more time on the screen <laughs> in the movie. Yeah, and Which weird, weird. times. Yeah, as Alexi Darling. Yeah. So, Talking uh, about her Berkeley days. <laughs> <laughs> None of that's at the Broadway show. So there you go. <laughs> I guess they said, hey, we got Sarah Silverman. Let's find a way to write her in somewhere and make yeah. her give her more to do. It's uh, She's even be fine as Alexi Darling. Just I want her to just make the phone calls that she does on the show. Exactly. On stage. Yeah, yeah the, the extended one with all the phone numbers, which is one of my, yeah. my Tell mom's us your pager. favorite moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, we talked about that on the um, on the episode that was on New I have a New Year episode, and my nice. mom loves that voicemail. She didn't even like the show. She's not a big fan of the show, but she loves <laughs> that voicemail. <laughs> so it is a good right. one. That's that. We're good. We're yeah. just rambling and going back and forth now. Oh, we can keep doing that if you want. I know. Well, <laughs> I promised my son I played some games with him during SmackDown. So <laughs> okay. I will wrap up. Rob, why don't you get your plugs in? Go for it. Uh, well, currently I have Michael Myers Minute and Dave Made a Minute. Both, you look up that name, you'll find them on most any social media or on your podcatcher of choice. It's the movie Halloween and the movie Dave Made a Maze. That works. Absolutely. And I'll get my plugs in here real fast. We're part of the Filling the Void podcast network, which at this point I feel like I co-run, but that's a different story. Um, hey boss, the, um, we are here every Tuesday for the next couple of weeks until Rhett live on Fox, which we're all excited about. 
So that's coming yeah. up in two weeks after your people are hearing this. So countdown is on. Um, and then you can hear me every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday till the end of January because I'm almost done with the movie for Clerks 2 Minute every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And on the Blake and Style Show every single Friday. And if you're listening to this on Tuesday morning when it drops, jump over and listen to my new retro show called Blake and Style Year One, which is going through our first year of our show week by week, which some people asked for, so I put it up for everybody can hear. <laughs> so hear that right after this on the network as part of our awesome Tuesday lineup. All right, that's that. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Rob, for taking time out to do the show. Thanks for having me. Anytime. And I will say, have a good day, everybody. No day but